This is Cambridge Judge Business School's online knowledge centre, with expert commentary, analysis, and insights into the issues of the day. In this mini-series around the theme of leadership, Dr. Jonathan Trevor and Kate Toyero have been discussing a number of issues. The first centred on research, which seems to show that employees don't think their bosses are up to their jobs. The second discussion tackled the way in which leadership itself has changed into fellowship. The third now looks at efficiency, once the driver of workforce performance, but now linked closely to other elements as organisational survival and future growth are paramount. Again, the academic view comes from Jonathan Trevor, lecturer in the Human Resources and Organisations Subject Group, and Kate Toyero is the founder and managing director of Exfusion Limited, provider of executive coaching and team performance coaching. She's the practitioner. Here's Dr Trevor. There's a great many who believe that we are on the cusp, an exciting cusp, of a a fundamental transformation in our political economy, how we choose to organise societally, Uh, in respect of our industry, organisations and communities. And that is essentially the shift from the industrial age in which the bureaucratic form of organisation that we all know very well, the hierarchical, stable, uh, predictable organisation which is formal and rule-bound, we're shifting from that to something which is characteristic of the information age, which is to say a post-bureaucratic form of organisation which is much flatter, much leaner, much more network-based and much more informal in scope and really all about knowledge as opposed to execution and efficiency, the hallmarks outcomes of the bureaucratic organisation. So what are the challenges? I think the the key challenges are around agility really and what I mean by agility is is responding to all of this in a way that perhaps being agile enough to bring in in specialists and people that have got really great specialisms in certain areas I I think because the world is all about faster and bigger and better and we're utterly, the whole globe is at overcapacity so that rush if you like to be the first at whatever it is is very very challenging and therefore I think that perhaps the organisations whatever sort of group or organisation we're talking about it's about being agile enough to identify where you have experts and people that, that, that are specialists within their field for example iTunes and Apple for all of us here and indeed anyone on the planet could produce an app on anything we choose to produce an app on. So we, we therefore become the sales force for iTunes and Apple. So long as they've got a platform that works really effectively on the iPad, the iPhone, which most people have got. And so that their ability to have looked ahead, thinking about I want subject matter experts making those apps, they're not going to be within the, within, within the Apple organisation. They're outside. But they develop the platform that that expertise can sit on. And I think that's that's one example of, of how we will see things changing. I, I, I think that's exactly right, and I think it's an excellent example of how a pretty formal organisation, which is focused around execution, mm. also has running along in parallel an entire ecosystem that it's created, or rather enabled, effectively sourcing innovation but, but but external to the organisation, uh, that is something that, that is entirely autonomous and independent, but thoroughly enriches the product at the end of the day and value to customer. There's another example, I think, which is very good, and it, it plays to the, perhaps the other issue, in addition to customer agility and customization, which is this issue around connectivity. Another example might be uh, BYD. 
the Chinese automotive manufacturer. BYD stands for Build Your Dreams. And what BYD do in a way that's really excellent is to connect across the various parts of their organisation um, to develop an, an inimitable product. And now, BYD do three things. One, they make auto automotive uh, technology, cars in effect, uh, semiconductor technology, plus also mobile phone battery technology. Now, what happens when you combine all of those three distinct areas, previously entirely independent, um, now interdependent, um, will you get world-class capability in producing electric car technology. And that gives them a real edge in the market. It also means that something's being delivered to market, which is thoroughly unique, but actually enriched by those connections. So connectivity on the one hand and customization, exactly as Kate says on the other, those are hallmarks of some of the transitions beyond efficiency. So what we're getting actually is, is creation of ecosystems or indeed clusters. Mm, sure, I, I think I think there's clusters of um, of expertise or of individuals, and and I think where where it's it's obviously hugely powerful in terms of what is being produced, be it products or services. There's also a piece around the agility of understanding other people, understanding what people's needs are. And so you also have subject matter experts that are understanding what's going on outside, what customers are wanting, who's influencing the customers, who's influencing the government, who's influencing what's going on in the world, both internally from your organisation, which might be a number of clusters come together, a la Virgin, for example, classic example, um, or indeed with, with, with a very small organisation. So it goes back to what you were actually saying at the beginning, and that's about agility, the ability to be agile and move very quickly and mm. respond very quickly. But I think there's something else as well here, and, and, and I think agility is exactly right, but it's almost agility in learning. And one of the key aspects of mm. cluster management and health, the, the overall well-being of the, the cluster is, or, or the ecosystem, is how individuals within it, how they can learn, how they can generate new knowledge, transfer it, and then combine it with existing practice to produce innovations. Um, and uh, you know, that's a really critical thing. And, and what we're seeing is, uh, I, I think, a, a, a renaissance in talent management beyond just merely having high performers to actually having individuals and groups who are able to, to, to learn uh, in, in novel and unique ways to, to make use of new technologies, for example, uh, and convert that into organisational effectiveness. However one defines that, whether it's efficiency on the one hand or innovation on the other, one particular example, I think, within this cluster mentality is actually exactly as Kate says, having T-shaped individuals, essentially individuals who have a degree of specialism in a particular area, such as a technology, for example, or a functional area, but also know sufficiently enough about other areas that they can make connections and span multiple boundaries at the same time. So T-shaped in the respect of specialism and breadth as well. Um, now, that can be very scarce talents. The imperative for organisations is to develop that uh, as much as possible, uh, and that really is a model of empowerment and development and, and, and liberation of talent within organisations to go beyond m- just merely seeking to exploit uh, uh, efficiencies to actually doing something fundamentally different without reference necessarily from those above. And I think a lot of that difference, doing things differently, is not restricting people's ideas and innovations and creativities and ways of doing things that I might sit in manufacturing but actually we could do that over there which would be really effective which some well that does happen in a lot of organizations and I think when organizations can harness that so there isn't restriction or ideas aren't aren't squashed or stifled you get so very much more and organizations where it is stifled you see a difference. People stop having ideas. It's a bit like a, a low-restriction exhaust system, for example, on a car. You get a much, much more powerful engine when you have no restriction on it. And and therefore, I think in organisations, that's there's a fair bit there when you're leading an organisation. But if you can 
non have people in a non-restrictive environment, all of that knowledge and resource and idea and innovation will bubble up. But this isn't to in any way downplay the uh, challenge of, of oh, some of these all. ideas, because of course the flip side to empowerment is governance and control, and then particularly in these tough times um, where increasingly transparency is demanded, uh, controls and risk management is a focus. Um, how do we ensure that our people are doing the right thing? And this is really again comes back to a leadership issue. You can only empower on the basis of trust. Do you have trust in your people and do your people have trust in you and actually particularly in each other? And can they collectively put aside their individual interests and focus on the whole um, and the interests of the whole, whether it's an organisation, a a commercial organisation, a charity or even a community? Um, These are essential properties, essential values. And and it's not to say that efficiency doesn't matter. It's just that it, it matters in addition to other things, whereas previously it was probably the sole thing we wanted from our workforce. Now it just simply can't be if organisations seek to be competitive in future. Jonathan Trevor and Kate Toyero, thank you. Next in the series, the critical role to be played by leadership envisioning the future organisation and enabling effective transformation. This programme was produced by the Cambridge Judge Business School as part of its online broadcast series. Thank you.